Hi there, it's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. We first heard of Destiny Claymore in an article on Vanyaland, and then in another piece by the great Jed Gottlieb in the Boston Herald, a Boston triple threat with an incredible unique voice and dancing chops, Destiny had a pretty great 2020 despite COVID. She appears in the upcoming film Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, and not too long ago was in The Expecting with Anna Sophia Robb. In addition, she was able to release her album Pretty to rave reviews. Not bad for a COVID-filled 2020. Destiny's name reflects her unique upbringing, being the first female born into her family in the past 25 years, which also seems to indicate great things ahead. 2021 looks to be a fantastic year. So here is our conversation with Destiny Claymore, recorded virtually in Boston, Massachusetts. You were raised in... I'm from San Diego, but I was raised in Brockton, Massachusetts. In Brockton. You're from San Diego? Yeah. When did you move here? I moved back and forth for a while, but I basically settled like in elementary school. So I always say I'm just from Brockton. How you been doing? Um, I'm actually really good, all considering like with uh, quarantine and COVID and everything like that. And the, uh, you know, traitorous sedition and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And insurrections <laughs> and all that yeah. jazz. <laughs> yeah. Just a normal day in the uh, <laughs> exactly. Have you have you been quarantined? Have you been like just stuck in your in your house, or have you been able to move around a little bit? What's been going on there? Um, I've definitely I've been stuck since um March. I only went out. I had some business to take care of in California over the holidays, so I just came back. I was on set probably twice in all of 2020, and other than that, I've just been at home. And it's it was great for the first like seven months. I was getting yeah. in shape and I was writing music and then I, yeah. I, like I miss like sharing the music with people and like yeah. actually going out to talk to people. So it's been tough. I mean, we we usually do this face to face, and we were doing that for a little bit. Some people weren't comfortable with that, and that was fine. Um, but we were doing it with masks on, and I mean, if you don't see someone's face, it's really hard to have a conversation because you can't you can't see their response, their facial responses to whatever your questions and you see them thinking, it's just like, I mean, you might as well be robbing a bank. It's like, you just can't tell what they're thinking. So this is much better. I mean, not that people can see this, it's just an audio podcast, but I don't know, it just makes the conversation better to be able to see faces. Yeah, definitely. How was the flight to California? That's a long flight to be in masked. Yeah, it was, um, it was actually fine because they're trying to social distance as much as, much as possible. Yeah. So I had all, I had both seats to my left, like empty for both cool. flights. So I just had the window. That's my favorite seat. So it was fine. It, I just found it ironic that they do so much to keep you socially distanced boarding the flight. And then once you get on, it's kind of like you're just crammed again. I don't know. There's like an arrest every day for some person going off about wearing a mask on the plane. It's not hard. It's, uh, you know, people are going crazy. They're losing their minds. They are. And it's not hard, like just wear it. And then because they let you take it off when you're eating on the flight. Yeah. So I don't really see what the issue is. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to talk about COVID. I hate COVID. I'm sick of COVID. I'm really glad to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. You're you're a hot get right now. Everyone, everyone is uh you're, you're you seem to be everywhere. Yeah. And, and that's great. Congratulations. It's it's uh you know, especially during this time where people like just can't do anything, it's hard to 
go out and perform and you know it's not normal life and to to be able to do what you're doing even though we're you're stuck in your house i don't know you're kind of you're kind of fortunate in that way you know a lot of musicians and people who just like too depressed to do anything they just like i can't i can't do anything i don't have any muse going for me or i used that because um i don't know i think that quote unquote real life the real world is distracting sometimes mm -hmm. um especially if you like like to create things I capitalized on it. As soon as I found out we were going to be stuck inside, I'm telling you, I had a whole plan. Like I had my workout schedule. I had my writing schedule. Um, I thought it was great. Like I said, the only thing that got to me was the boredom. Because after you make so many things and then you're accomplishing so many things, and then it's just like, okay, so like when do I get to share these things? Because I wrote way more songs than what I put out on my EP Pretty. I wrote yeah, like 70 I, something songs or something. Yeah, I intended to drop 18 of them. I wanted <laughs> the full length, but then the studios kept shutting down. So I finished a third. I had six done and I was like, fine, that's enough. And then the movie was supposed to come out in on July 3rd of 2020. We are now in 2021 and it still hasn't come out. Oh, so, they really held off on putting that out because of COVID, huh? Yeah, so it's definitely... And I was saying, of course, the year that I like do it big is the year the world ends <laughs> with my luck. So <laughs> right, we're all gonna die, and all this work I put into it is for naught. Right. Um, when when is that movie coming out? This is the one I got to hear. The Free Guy is that the one? Yeah, Free Guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the new new date. So it was supposed to be July third. Then yeah. it was December eleven. So the new new date is May twenty first. So I'm, we're holding that. I'm praying right. for that. May twenty first in theaters. <laughs> that's a that's a theater release, right? Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, because a lot of times what they've been doing, the a lot of production companies they came out with a an announcement not too long ago that a lot of the movies that they've shot or that they will shoot may just go directly to streaming. I know. Um, a lot of uh, companies have lost a lot of money that way. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that's. I'm hoping people get it together. If you're listening to this, please wear your mask and just <laughs> yeah, no so that we can go to the movie theaters when this is all over, please. I know. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for this, but no. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know what's going to come out of this? And I've seen a couple of shows drive in theaters now. I went to a few of them. They were, oh, there's one in uh, Massachusetts called Barrett's. Like they're usually a haunted house. I hope this continues. It was it was so cool. You know, and I've said this a lot to a lot of people I've talked to is that, you know, once this is all over and people get to start going out again, it's going to be a, a, a renaissance of art. I think it's, it's going to be great. I know just a little funny thing that I think about is, um, I don't know if you heard about like the drive through strip clubs. Or, but they I haven't, but I like the address. Yes, they look so futuristic. Like, like, okay, have you ever seen like Max Payne? I know the, the okay, movie. Okay, so like, they were so interesting because like the cars would like pull up and then they have the poles in the middle, but the girls have the masks on, like and like the veils and everything. It looked like a dystopian, like those movies we grew up watching. And saying the guys are in their cars, like, and it was just in cash apping like the money. I was like, it's the future now. <laughs> Everything's changed. It's just an interesting world that's come out of um, like how can you create when you have to keep distance? And I didn't really realize how much we as people we have to um, socialize in person. Yeah, and it really is changing everything. Even like like now the live stream concert is like the new thing and yeah. everything like that. It's just so interesting. And I feel like it's opening a lot of, like you said, like creative minds to like, how can I innovate art 
in a world where we can't even like touch each other or be near each other. Did anything come to a stop other than the movie release for you? I, there have been several people who have been on who are just about to drop an album. Then, you know, they couldn't tour it and they've really kind of almost moved on from that album. Did that happen to you? Did anything actually about to start for you that had to stop because of COVID? Yeah. Um, the album just totally, I had a whole different plan for that. And, um, like my fans know I tour a lot. I did the Vans Warp tour. I um before that I had I threw my own tour. I did 14 states and like Ooh. I like live to be on the road. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the same boat. Like everybody's enjoying it now. And I'm like, cool, but I already have like 30 new songs. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, 30 old dude for you. Right. So I don't know. And especially like when you create, like the way I create is I don't write to like just all right, I have to make a project. Like that's how I used to do it. But yeah. the way I do it now and how I ended up doing that project is like, it's like, I'm just journaling my life. So I'm literally just, there's a song for every type of emotion and every situation that you could possibly think of. Funny ones, sad ones, romantic ones, stressful ones, um, vindictive ones, all of them. So I'm like, as life continues, more songs keep com like coming to me. I'm like, okay, like at this point, I'm just going to have, I'm going to be like Tupac with just like this freaking cave and like this whole thing of songs and I'm going to have no one to show them to. Like I need to get outside. That's <laughs> great. I'm so glad that you're, you're that prolific, you know, and I was watching, you know, the first, the first thing I saw of yours when I went to your website, I always usually go to uh, the videos. I was watching it and, you know, there's a kind of like a little grin on your face. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like holding something back. And it was the, um, before I forget, fuck you and everything you do. Yes. Oh my God, I was, that was so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I meant it. It starts off like just as, you know, you're dancing and you've got this kind of grin on your face, like something's coming. And then- <laughs> I love that song. It's great. No, I, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I meant that. Every time somebody asks, like, I meant that song from the bottom of my heart. Like, <laughs> who it's about, know who I'm talking about. Like, fuck yeah. you. Yeah, no, it was great. We've all been there. We have all been there. And I was like, this is about to be the anthem to, like, everybody's life. Because sometimes you just need to say it. But you yeah. need to say it with a smile on your face. Like, you're unbothered. Fuck you. All right. Like, you're yeah. cool. Like, but yeah. no, that's yeah. exactly how it felt. Because I was, like, sitting there. Cause um before I got the movie role in my personal life, like I had just gone through like so much. They mentioned in the articles, like my band had broken up and everything like that. Right. I left the band. It was like a year later. I had the movie, and nobody had known yet. I've known about the movie and my part in the movie since uh, April of 2019. Mm -hmm. I haven't said anything until this year. That whole time, I'm just like, people don't even know. Like, I'm doing great. I have a new house. Like, oh, before I forget, like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> so it, it was just yeah. a great. I'm making that song and I dropped it in the summertime and to see how people just use it as like their summer anthem and like I can see people driving around and like blasting it and they're at the beach and I'm like because everybody's been there before yeah so I'm just happy I could give people that emotion over the summertime it was great I'm a huge fan of that song let's back up a little bit so you as a kid you grew up as a dancer is that correct well the first thing that I ever saw that made me want to dance was you got served I had never seen people like head spin and like backflip and all that stuff and I just keep, kept rewatching it over and over again and like try to teach myself how to do it. And it, it stuck with me like until I was like 17. And then I auditioned for a, it was like an urban ballet. Like they combined modern dance ballet and, and break dancing. Oh, so cool. I auditioned when I was like 16, 17. And I, um, I landed my first soloist part at, in a, it was a Boston dance company. I've just been obsessed with it like my whole life. <laughs> I love dancing. You were the lead in Hair. Yes. 
I saw the picture of it, the promotional photo of it. it yeah, fantastic. It's a fantastic picture. You still got your mohawk, and uh, how how you did that at once, right? Is that what, once? Yes, one. How, how long did the did the um uh, run last? Um, we did three shows. We had rehearsed for a few months, but it, uh, we did three shows. It was sold out all three days of that weekend. Only three, huh? Yeah, but it was it was a great experience. Um, I had never sang with a an ensemble before. Yeah. I've only ever sang by myself or like with a band. So it was a great like learning experience to combine dancing and singing at the same time. It was epic and um, I was honored. Like I got to sing lead as a uh, Dion and Ronnie in that frame who's familiar with hair. And it's, it's a very, uh, to this day, I don't think I understood the play. I'm not gonna lie. It was so <laughs> tricky. And so it was definitely thought provoking, but I was just like, maybe it's just not my time. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen the, did you see the original play or the movie that they did? Yes, and I was equally confused. And was that the first time you had done any acting? Um, well, I acted once in junior high <laughs> in a school play. But other than that, yeah, that was my first time ever really like assuming a character. Did you like the theater part of it? Did you like being in the theater? Yeah, I felt comfortable because um, my dance experience. Yeah. So being on stage has always just been very comfortable for me ever since I was young. Like all I used to do was talent shows and dance and go outside and dance and tour. And so um, I actually felt more comfortable doing that than I did doing the movie and the TV show because on stage is different. Like you get to just, well, I guess like when you're acting in front of a camera, you have to be very controlled. Right. But when you're on stage, you just belt it. You just rock out and the crowd feeds you and you feed the crowd. There's something about being on stage and you know being backstage before you go on. I mean, the magic of the theater and everything like that. Do you, ever, do you get the bug to do that again? All the time. I don't really, people always ask me like, oh, what is your, how did you get into acting? Like, what is the business plan? And I'm, I just literally like to do things. Like that's why I toured so much is just, I feel like that's the most free. Cause even when you record a track or record an album, like you still have to be very controlled to get the cleanest sound sure. you can possibly get and enunciation stuff like that. But when you are on stage and you're with the people that are connecting to that sound yeah. and the emotions are flying, it's like a different experience. And I, I get that itch all the time. That's why I would never, I would never stop doing it. Like, well, even like as acting takes off, it's something that I would never leave behind because it's just a totally different connection. Have you thought about auditioning? Well, I mean, now there's no auditions now, but have you thought about auditioning for some musical theater in New York City or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I oh my gosh. So when um before Hamilton was known as Hamilton, it was just a, an audition board online. People kept telling me like, oh, you should definitely go audition for this, and I, like people who were like in that, and I was like, it's singing and it's rap. I was thinking and. Lynn Manuel, if you're watching this, I'm a huge fan. But what I was thinking was like, oh, rapping on Broadway, this is going to be terrible. Like, they're going to make it so cheesy. I know. You, I know. Exactly. I, you, know, you, you don't expect it to do them to do a good job, right? Not at all. So yeah. I've, now that I've seen it, to everybody who said that to me, first of all, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. But second of all, I'm <laughs> yeah. freaking flattered that you thought my singing and rapping would be good for Hamilton. So I will keep that in mind next time. I will not be closed-minded. I was young. Okay. I'm older now. Yeah, yeah, you know, it ain't over. So, I mean, it's going to, I don't see Hamilton going away anytime soon. Oh, Do you know, by any chance, to know Vansel Cooper? No, but I'm going to write it down. He's a drummer and he was the drummer for the touring cast of Hamilton. And he toured for, I don't know, a couple of years. He was, he's one of our, if you go to the our Above the Basement website, he had just gotten chosen and was just about to take off on tour. 
And um, he's a Boston guy. I don't know if he's doing it still now. I, 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 I doubt it. Well, I mean, obviously, there's no touring right now. But, um, you know, that was actually almost, I don't know, that was our 74th episode. So it was a while ago. That was 100 episodes ago. So anyways, um, I digress. That's cool. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, it's such a different muscle. Just like it's a different muscle to go in the studio, different muscle to do music on stage, but to act and dance and and sing. I mean, that's why they call you a triple threat, right? That's the... Yeah. The Destiny Claymore moniker now, the triple threat. I know. And it's so funny because um, this is something that like you dream about growing up. <laughs> when I was younger, like I I looked up to Destiny's Child, not Beyonce, Destiny's Child as a mm -hmm. whole. They were the perfect balance of charisma and regality and style and vocals and dance and like all of it. And I was obsessed. I had all the autobiographies. I had mm -hmm. all the DVDs. I knew all the dances, all the lyrics. And I just can't believe that like now, like 20 years later, people are calling me that at all. Like I'm <laughs> honored. It's so cool. Do you take, um, are you taking lessons? Are you, are you under instruction in any way? No, I want to be, um, I'm self-taught with everything. I'm yeah. self-taught um, with dance. I'm self-taught uh, singing and self-taught acting. And I know just from like who I worked with, there's such a ways to go. And like I said, I'm honored to even be mentioned with these people and to be allowed to be on set or on stage or on tours with these people. Um, and that's why I can't wait for COVID to be over so I can get yeah. some lessons. I've always wanted to play guitar. Um, I could definitely improve on my ear training. That's just me. Like I'm a perfectionist. Like I want to be up there in all of the performance areas. I've taught oh. myself as much as I can. It's time to learn from others. Do you play an instrument? No, I used to play saxophone. I was very young, so I can't remember how to do that. I want yeah. to learn. I've I've always wanted to play guitar. I, it always spoke to me. It was until all of my like my old projects and even my current one. Guitar is the instrument. Like it just speaks to my soul. Maybe you can teach me because I. No, I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> not a very good guitarist. Um, well, that's interesting because you know I, one of the things I wanted to bring up in some of your uh, some of the songs from Pretty, there's a lot of guitar in there. Yes, like the initial riffs are all guitar kind of based. And I was wondering, out of that, you know, you said that you wrote a lot of your songs while you were on set, and yeah. or while you know just while you're doing whatever you're doing. And I always wonder how people write songs. When you say you write songs when you're on set, are you talking about just writing lyrics, or do you have like the, the the idea, the musical idea in your head when you're writing songs? I always know when a song is going to be good or bad by the process. So when the songs that all made it onto the project, when I, I wrote those, first I'm just like listening, like I find a beat and the moment I hear the beat, it just speaks to me. And then I, I start to just mumble sounds like, ah, and like mm -hmm. trying to find like what harm, uh, what melodies and everything click. And then once you get to the, once I get to the one that like, I can't get out of my head, that's the one. And then I go, lyrics are the last thing to come. Well, for me anyway, like I said, songwriting is more of a, it's like a journal. It's like a documentation of what's going on in my life. The words don't really matter as much as the feeling and the sound that's being conveyed. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'll sing just like a, a melody first until I can't get out of my head. And I'll, and I'll mumble. There'll be no words there, but that's what it's going to sound like when it's done. Like I know this. And then I'll add what it, what I felt into, into lyrics that you can actually understand into coherent words. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. it afterward that's like the last last step so when i was on set i would either do a driving to set i would do that whole thing or when i was on set like i'd have a thing in my ear and i would just like be 
humming it to myself while I was on set, like in between takes. And then I'd be like, okay, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And then I would go back and record it on my phone really quick. Like I, it all happened in pieces. Oh my God, that's stressful. I actually found it very relaxing because I was oh, so really? nervous. Because when you're, oh my gosh, I was with uh, Joe Carey, Taika Waititi, and uh, Mr. Levy, Sean Levy. Like, so I was super nervous. So anything to calm me down in between takes, it was yeah. actually helping me. Like, okay, I'm gonna go do this over here really quick and like get the, the lyrics down to the song. So I, I liked it. I liked the process. Yeah, but I, I like how that's really interesting that you can do it based on just the beat. And especially not being able to play an instrument. That's really that's really kind of a innate talent that you got there. Well, I actually I don't really think it's um I'm flattered, but I don't think it's talent. I think it came from a background in dance because in yeah. dance I always let the beat tell me what to do. I mm. don't try to hit the beat. The the music will tell me cuz cuz for example, I'm sure you've heard something that's like a like a bo like a like a What's it called? Like a bassy sound. Mm -hmm. To me, it sounds like a wave. It makes me think of an ocean wave. So that's how mm -hmm. I'm gonna move my body. But if I hear like a doom 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 doom, that's yeah. like a like a hit 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 like pop. And then like you're moving, you're syncopating your muscles with that huh. sound. So I let the music tell me what to do. And it's the same thing with the song. With when I'm writing a song, if somebody already played it out, you can feel their emotion come out because it's still music. And it's like, do I relate to that feeling right now? And I let that tell me, like, like every song has its own secret. Like the person who played that guitar, he felt happy, he felt sad, or you know what I mean, or she felt this. And then that's the, maybe that's the emotion I'm going for that day. So I let the music tell me what it's what what to do. So I think the fact that you take that beat and it and it affects your body in that way as a dancer, um, I'd really I'd love to hear like the science behind that because I'm sure there's a science behind that. Definitely. Music just affects you in ways that you you don't even realize, like subconsciously. I want to talk about your voice because I, would, I talk to a lot of singers. You know, yours is very interesting. The first thing I thought of, and I and I'm very curious to see if anyone's compared you to. And I don't I don't usually like to compare people to it, but it's because you have the guitar in there, and there's like a little bit of a like a Latin thing with the guitar, and 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 you got a little breathy in uh, when you sing, and it's very and it's a much lower register. Uh, Shade. Yes, I get that very often, and really? I hear okay, it every freaking time because. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, man. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm glad that you brought this up because I need to get this off my chest. All right, get it. Lay it on. Lay it okay. on. Well, growing up, I got bullied a lot because of my voice. Because, like I said at the time, when you look at who was popular when I was coming up, you had like Beyonce, Alicia Keys, Christina Aguilera, and then if you even go to other genres, you had Avril Lavigne, uh, Haley mm -hmm. Williams, mm -hmm. Panic at the Disco. And none of those were what my voice is. My voice, like you said, it's very deep. It has a, a, a lot of baritone for a woman. So I spent a lot of time trying to find like, where do I fit? Does anybody out there in the world sound like me or am I alone? And yeah. then there was Shade. <laughs> and I discovered Shade and I was just obsessed with her because she learned how to take that like deep baritone and that like haunting sound and turn it into like this glorious, like regal She's display. Amazing. That's who, after that, that's when I was like, okay, finally, there's somebody who I can like emulate, yeah. like from my, how to properly use a voice like this. Did and you expect I, me to say that when I was bringing this up? Did you expect me to say Sade? Yeah, I get. Oh. I, now, it, um, like when I was first coming up, people would always say, I don't know who to compare you to. But I think now, um, now that I've had more practice, because like yeah. I said, I was self-taught. So it took a while to get it to where it is now. 
Yeah. And now you can definitely hear uh, the similarities. And I and I did. I um when I first time I heard her sing, uh, "Is this a crime?" I was just like, "We have the same voice," and I was so happy. And yeah, so thank you. It was just awesome. <laughs> it is great. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a a huge compliment if you ask me you know, that I'm oh, giving yeah. you because Sade is a, is phenomenal. Uh, but you know who else has a very deep voice and. I had the same conversation with her about this and how she tried to find a higher register to sing up higher. And then she was told by, I don't know who told her, but um, she was told like, no, that's not, that's not where you are. You're way down here. You know, Ruby Rose Fox, by any chance? Yes. So yes. Her, I mean, her voice is really amazing and very unique. And it's something that she felt like she had to embrace it. That's what she said she had to do. Same. Yeah. I had to, I had to accept it. Cause it was the same thing. I was trying to find, um, register. Cause that's what's in, especially in pop music, mm. like Ariana Grande, Mariah Carey, like every, the weekend, it's all like pretty high pitches and but there's a ton of them. It's just so, I just can't do it. You know, and, we got enough of those people. We want more people like, like you. Thank you. No, I, I've definitely accepted it. And I, I love my voice now because, um, there really isn't anybody else except for a legend who sounds like me. So that's, I'm always right. Glad. <laughs> that's right. You and Sade, that's it. Um, all right, that's, that's very interesting. And I, you know, I, was, I always wonder when I'm about to compare somebody to somebody, if I'm like totally way off and, uh, and apparently I'm, I'm not. Oh, no, no, that's, you got that's that. good. So when you went into the studio, where did you record this album? Um, the SOE complex in Weymouth. In Weymouth. You, are you signed by somebody? No, not for um, music. No. Okay. So, so did, is this just like a project you brought to people? That's what you did, right? Yeah. Like I said, I couldn't leave music alone. I I tried, yeah. and I couldn't. No, um, why did you? So you brought it to you, it was Red Shades, one of the first people you brought it to, or was that? Actually, I brought it to C Four first. I brought it to him first for the song "The Call." Okay. The Call is a very disrespectful song. If you guys thought before, I forget was oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll have, to to the, I'll have to listen to the lyrics more closely. Yeah, um, background all weekend, but I brought it to him first, and because, um, like I said, we're from the same place, and he was actually when he started coming up, he came up at the the height of Dark Matter. So, like, right when I was about to leave, I brought him onto our last show together, mm -hmm. and because um, he's just if you haven't seen C four, he's he's amazing. I haven't, I haven't, and he's. He just raps like it's nobody's business. He has a little Kendrick Lamar going on. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. But I brought it to him first. And then, um, but the big song on the on the project, which was uh, Everybody Else, yeah. I brought that to Red Shades. That song was the song that I wrote as a direct response to being on the movie. The bridge is, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else. Right. And that's how I felt. I was like, I'm doing this thing with like, the people who made Stranger Things, and I'm getting flown out to LA, which had never happened. And I was like, <laughs> I need to talk about this. So yeah. I wrote that and I sent it to her. I remember she was sick. She had like a cold or something. It was it was really bad. And then she was just like, this is amazing though. I'm going to write to this right now. She sent it back in like 25 minutes. She's like, it's done. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And then we went to the studio and the baby was born. <laughs> how, how long were you in the studio for? I record really fast. So yeah. I, I finished my part in like a, probably like a half an hour. And then she finished hers in like another half hour. So we were in and out of there. Well, what about, I mean, for the whole album though? Oh, oh, for the whole project. Um, oh, I didn't realize I was making a project till towards the end. So yeah, it was you just doing singles and stuff. Yeah. I was just in yeah. and out of the studio, like throughout the year. 
And then, but it was um in October that I realized what I was doing. And I really started to like buckle down. And I was in there, I was probably in there like, um probably like two times, two times a week. And then, and then it was finished. And did you, did you handpick the musicians or people brought to you? Well, I went out and searched um myself for the sounds that I was looking for. Cause I, I like, well, I think you can tell I grew up with like a lot of R&B influence and everything like that. Um, and a lot of West Coast sound influence. But then on the other side, like I grew up loving, what's it called? I love Dream Theater and 30 Seconds to Mars and just everything like that you can think of. So I had to find a happy medium. Mm-hmm. So the, the people who I, were looking for, I was looking for to do the sounds, it was like, okay, I want like gorillas, but like not that dark <laughs> or mm-hmm. not that deep into it. So um, it was definitely a process, but then I found some people I was obsessed with, like this is this guy named Mixtape Seal, and um, I think they're in Seal. But yeah, we were talking online, and I was like, "Hey, I love how you play guitar. Can I use these?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of times, all you got to do is ask, and a lot of people will be like, "Yeah, this sounds cool. I'll do. It. I'll work with you." I found some of my friends who have like had a friend of mine. Um, you ever hear of someone named Corey Wong by any chance? Mm-mm. He's right. a band called um, Wolfpack. Have you heard of Wolfpack? Oh, I love Wolfpack. Yes. He's the guitarist for Wolfpack, and they're just, they just freaking are crazy good. And uh, he did the he did the guitar for my friend's album. And it's just like, you know. That's crazy. How do you know so many people? Well, he's just a friend of mine who lives down the street. I mean, he's in my band, but um, I don't know how we got Corey. He just reached out and asked, I guess. I don't know. He's, I don't know. Who knows? But um, sometimes, you know, that's, there's, a, there's a book out by, um, excuse me, there's a book out by uh, a woman named Amanda Palmer. You know Amanda Palmer? She was in a band um, called uh, Dresden Dolls from years ago. She was out of Boston. She's now kind of a she's a solo artist now, but she came out with a book called The Art of Asking that she wrote to musicians and any artists. She talks about the fear of artists asking for money, for opportunity, for whatever they need to do. It's like some sort of because you know it's a social thing. It's a social construct in the world where artists should you know be happy that for the exposure for the exposure which is so stupid um, it's so funny that you say that because um i actually had this conversation people were asking me before and i hope everybody who keeps messaging me here's this part of this interview they mm-hmm. always ask me like okay how did you get into how did you get to play on um van's warp tour how did you get to like do a movie how did you get to i literally was like yo i have the qualifications so i'm gonna ask if I can be on this tour, That's I right. have the qualifications and the skill. So I'm going to ask, well, I actually got asked to audition for the movie, but then when I was there, like, I still asked like, okay, like, can I take this a step further? Like, cause you, you won't know until you ask. And the worst that they can tell you is no. You're right. So, exactly. And I used to, I definitely used to fear the no. And I, I hope anybody listening to this, who's like wants to venture into something gets over the fear of the no because it's inevitable. I heard a lot of no's before I got on to the Warp Tour. I heard a lot of no's before I got a movie role. Um, I heard a lot of no's until I got to the agency that I'm at today. And being afraid of the no held me back for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Like I could have been living this life that I'm living now if I had just asked earlier, but I was just so afraid of, cause you know, especially when it's your art, like I understand mm-hmm. it's definitely like, very painful to hear no for something that you put so much love into, but mm-hmm. someone's going to say yes. 
because not everybody's heard of you. So there's going to be somebody who's like, this is exactly what I was looking for. So you, you just literally have to ask. The fear of asking is, it's, it's definitely something that people are scared of. And not only that, they have to understand not only that they're going to get no, but there may be a little humiliation involved. They may, they're going to feel bad about themselves. They're going to get some asshole is going to say, that is awful about something that you care deeply about. And so you got to have somewhat of a, you know, of a, of a steel facade there to, to get through it. It's not easy, but everybody's gone through it. And, and the no makes you stronger Yeah. because the times that people told me no, it hurt. And like you said, sometimes they were really like, just so like painful. Like I've been told, like I said, like your voice is just so ugly and you sound like a, a man. Thank you. But, and as I went along though, it was like, okay, I'm going to take that criticism and you have to, if you can find somewhere in there, something that's useful about criticisms, because all mm -hmm. of them in my, in my experience, there is something useful in every single one, no matter how disrespectful they are. And like, so I use that to practice and it's like, okay, so maybe if I could control my voice better and like, and like, you know, do something like this. And now those same people are like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing sound and blah, blah, blah. So it's just, it takes time and accept those rejections because those are actually the key to your success. Be like, okay, cause some of them, I'm not saying every single one is gonna be valid, but some of them are definitely gonna help you um, see what you're missing or go into a, the right direction to fix your problem. I think the ones who, who insult you, you, you can ignore. Because Absolutely. anybody worth their salt is not going to um, insult you. Yeah, just try to destroy somebody for their own purposes. I mean, if if you need to really let somebody down because they're just not that good, there are ways there are ways to do it. But um, uh, that's terrible that somebody said that to you. I can't believe that uh, you know that's karma coming at their way. I oh think. yeah, it it's just life, and that's something that I've learned. Yeah. People have have their opinions, but that's why their opinions they're they're not necessarily right. It's just how they feel about it. That's correct. Um, so you got the movie coming out in uh, March, you said? May. May, May I'm sorry. March, allegedly. All right. So that's, that's cool. And what, what happens to um, the expecting? Is that, I know that was, that went out on a, on a platform that's no longer exists, but it got pulled up by Raku or something. Yeah, so um, The Expecting, starring Anna Sophia Robb, it was uh, directed by the director of American Psycho, uh, right. Mary Karen, which was so freaking cool. It was mm -hmm. it was great to meet her. Yeah, so it came out on Quibi, and um, Quibi, right? And now yeah. it's moving on to something else. Yeah, I'm not sure who's who's taking it over now, but I'm I'm happy that it's getting picked up because it is a uh, an awesome. If you like sci-fi slash horror, it's yeah. an awesome tale of a mysterious pregnancy circumstances and uh, weird behaviors that come from it. And it's just a very interesting watch. I, my daughters made me go and watch um, all of the uh, uh, Stranger Things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, so I watched, uh, I watched like, the first one. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to, you know. And then she's like, no, you got to just keep at it. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll keep at it. And I ended up watching the whole thing. And um, Any chance they see some really good stuff, I'm all for. So uh, that's called the expecting. And I saw the uh, I saw the little trailer with <laughs> disturbing. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell she spit out of her mouth there, but that was her tooth. That was her tooth. <laughs> yeah, god. she pulled it out. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, who was that? Who was that person who was all bloody? She looked familiar. That's Anna Sophia Robb. So she did um 
Oh, she did so many things, but she's gonna hate me for this. But the thing that I remember her from the most is Bridge to Terabithia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that one. It's about the kid who I saw that years ago with my daughters. Yeah, that's a, that's a good movie. I cried my eyes out for two hours when I first You're saw sad. it. My dad's like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I don't know. I didn't see that coming." <laughs> uh that's great so so okay so that um is still going on free guys coming out in may the album pretty is out and also by the way the album i saw a quote you did you had a great little article from on the boston herald from jed gottlieb no no no. maybe this was out of vanya land that was also a good article um yeah. but he said uh, i discovered what it really meant to live and try and fail and succeed and be pretty and yes. hence has nothing to do with the exterior Yes. Which I like that. I like that a lot. Is that was that the meaning of pretty in for the album title? Yes. Um. So um, when I originally started writing pretty, I like I said, I didn't know that I was making a project. I was just experiencing life. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, where I was at, like I said before, all of the recent successes, I was just. Um, I'm just going to be honest. I had very low self confidence. Um, I didn't have a good like self image of myself and I wasn't living like a really healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to change that. I was writing just like I said, my life. And then my life started to change because I started to really examine it more mm -hmm. and look at myself as it went along. People started to treat me different because I looked prettier. Like my hair, I started braiding my mohawk. Like, as you can see, like one side is shaved, the other side mm -hmm. is shaved, but the, I started braiding it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I started getting more into fashion. I started getting more into fashion because I started to realize like, that's the first thing people see when they meet you. So it's kind of like, I could show them my personality without ever saying anything based off of like how I'm dressed. But people were taking that the wrong way. They thought my success mm -hmm. was becoming, was coming because I was, you know, getting, uh, I'm using air quotes on the outside, you know, prettier and more attractive. But in reality, I was getting more confident inside. I was getting more confident mm -hmm. with my decisions in fashion. I was getting more confident with my decisions in my music and in, with my voice. And I was getting more confident with my business decisions and my personal life decisions. And it started to reflect on the outside. I started eating better and, and everything like that. So that's why I said the project has nothing to do uh, with being physically pretty. Mm -hmm. It was a mind state that brought me to where I am now. All the success came from me trying to fix my my perception of myself and how I lived my life. And then the album I, I originally had a different name for, it was gonna be called Clairvoyant because um everything that I was saying would happen from me learning to love myself happened. Mm -hmm. Like I wrote it, most of it before it actually happened. So it was gonna be called Clairvoyant, but then one day my, um, my friend's a photographer, Priscilla Drayton, she came over and we took that picture that everybody knows now with me in the mirror making a heart. Mm -hmm. And it hit me that day. I was like, this is pretty. The new music sounds pretty. And my new mind state is pretty. And this is pretty. I also wanted to do it too, because um, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't have a mom growing up. I was raised hmm. with and around men. I grew up really? very, uh, yeah, I was very tomboyish, very rough and um, rough around the edges. And, you know, like I said, I was the girl people saw. I had the shaved head and the mohawk and always wore black. And I went, so once I started to, you know, get away from a certain crowd and like try to find my way and, and learn how to be a woman, that was another thing that went into pretty. People often talk about, not to sound stereotypical, but just it is how I grew up. We always talk about, you know, in the black community that men 
don't grow up with men like in their lives, but nobody ever talks about people like me. I didn't have any women. So yeah. I had to learn how to be a woman at 23. I had to learn how yeah. to do my hair and paint my nails and all that stuff and get my confidence from myself. And that's like what also went to pretty. I, I wrote it for girls. If there's anyone out there like me who didn't understand fashion and understand all that stuff, like there is hope for us. <laughs> and uh, you can teach yourself and you can love yourself into being a rock star. I am proof. And uh, that's, that also was what was in, in, the, in the album too. That's great. If you don't mind me asking, was it with your, was it with your father and your brothers or? Yeah. Yeah. I had a little sister, but um, she was so much younger than me. It kind of like didn't matter. Yeah. She was, uh, and, and I was the, my name is Destiny because I was the first girl born on both sides of my family in 25 years. So huh. all, all the women wow. in my family married into the family. Wow. Yeah. So oh, that, that's, that's even different. It's not even just about your immediate family, but about the extended family. It's mostly, mostly men. Yeah. And then if anybody were to like go back and look at my, like my old pictures on my Facebook when I was in like high school and everything like, like you can tell I grew up with all. <laughs> all yeah. What is next for you? Definitely more music. I just found a home at an agency. So I'm definitely going to be auditioning for more stuff till then. If I'm ever quiet, just know I'm creating. That's I why get I get it. quiet. <laughs> Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, well, it was really nice talking to you, Destiny. I really appreciate your time. It was great talking to you, too. This was awesome. Thanks for having yeah. me on ETB. We would like to thank Destiny for the conversation. You can hear her music and see what she's doing now at destinyclemore.com. Go to AboveTheBasement.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, wear a mask, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.